Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today it is Thursday, October 8th, 2020. Today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com for all the parts for your car or truck at the best prices. On the show today, it is number three of our 2020 MLB playoff diary. As we sit here on Thursday, because of what's transpired, we have now four elimination games taking place today on Thursday. The Braves, the Dodgers are both on the brink of clean sweeps in the National League and the American League. The Rays are up 2-1, and the Astros are up 2-1 as well, too. So uh, all of those series, all every single series, could theoretically end today on Thursday. Uh, I don't think that's going to that's going to be the case. I think we're going to get some uh, some game fives that become forced or some game fours that become forced. But and right now it's exciting because we, you know, at the end of the day, we could have our final four teams. Uh, so we'll kind of get into what we've seen from all four and how we got to this spot, especially yesterday's games. We'll take a look at Wednesday's games here on the third edition of our playoff diary. Make sure you guys go and check out the all the position uh, postseason position breakdowns that we have done right now. We have catcher, first base, and second base. Shortstop is coming tomorrow, but make sure you guys go check out the catcher, the first base, the second base one. All those are up in your podcast feed. All right, let's get to it. What's been going on in the MLB playoffs, my thoughts on it, and much more coming at you. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we will break this up by leagues as we go through this here on Playoff Diary number three. First series we'll talk about is the one that chronologically in the day uh, begins first. The Braves have a two games to nothing lead over the Miami Marlins uh, in the first two games of this series. And the big story has been so far, in my opinion, number one, the pitching, especially yesterday, Ian Anderson, who is just 22 years old and boy to these uh, does this Atlanta Braves team have a lot of quality youth, not just in the lineup, but wow, in the pitching department too. You, you think about when Soroka comes back. I mean, Soroka and Anderson are both 23 or younger. Uh, I believe Soroka is turned 23. Um, not positive on that, but Ian Anderson is just 22 years old. And Max Fried, obviously very young guy as well too. This rotation, man, has a lot of youth in it. And the Braves are going to be, you know, we've already seen them dominate the National League East the last couple years. I would expect that to continue because they clearly have uh, the might uh, when it comes to the pitching department. Something else that struck me yesterday, across the board in this game, four hits for the Braves and three hits for the Marlins. Really good pitching matchup. Pablo Lopez was very good yesterday, I thought, for the Marlins, except for those two pitches. Uh, he gave up two solo home runs and a 2 nothing loss. Lopez goes five innings, gives up three hits, two earned runs, two home runs. And he also struck out seven. Something to note about Lopez is that he, through 57 innings uh, this season, regular season, he gave up four total home runs. In this game, during those five innings today, gave up two. Dansby Swanson and Travis Darno, who has been tearing the cover off the ball during these playoffs, um... And, you know, for somebody who used to be on the Mets, Darno, uh, you know, struggled with hitting in the hitting department a lot of the time when he was in New York. He did have a couple good seasons, but struggled especially towards the end there and, you know, was able to get things going with Tampa. Braves get him. He hit 321 for them this season. 
And then you look at the playoff numbers. For a guy who's had 74 ABs in the playoffs in 2015, he had 55 with the, the Mets, and then last year he had 19 with the Rays. 15 playoff ABs this year. I know it's small sample size, but he's hitting 400. Uh, he's been he's been a dynamite for them so far in these playoffs. Two gigantic home runs. Had the tie-breaking three-run shot in game one that made it 7-4 to four Braves. Darno has been on an absolute tear. And this is why guys like Travis Darno are so important is that you have to have guys like that step up in these situations, in these moments in the playoffs. Yesterday, things were not very good for that front of the Braves lineup. Usually very good, but yesterday Acuna 0 for 4, 4 strikeouts. Freeman 0 for 4, Ozuna 0 for 3. And then, you know, you look at, I mean, nobody really did, did that well for them, but you look at the Darno home run and the Danzy Swanson home run, those were the difference makers. And in the game where offense was at a premium, the Braves generated their own. Of their four hits, half of those were home runs, and that's how you got to win some games sometimes, especially on the back of some very good pitching. So game three in that series is coming today. It's going to be Kyle Wright against Sixto Sanchez. And Kyle Wright, another one of those guys who's 25 and under, did have a rougher season. But uh, Kyle Wright is going to be on the mound today against the outstanding Sixto Sanchez. What to look for in this game? This is the conversation with Sixto, is that the second time he sees teams so far in the small sample size we have, those were his worst games. So during the regular season, he did pitch uh, 27 innings and... The two games that he struggled the most in were the Nats and the Braves in late September. That was the second time that he'd seen them. First go around against the Nats, five innings, six hits, three runs, three earned, but he was very good in that game. Um, And that was his first major league start. First start against the Braves, six innings, three hits, no earned runs, six Ks. Then you go back now to the second time around, the 18th. This is the first, excuse me, the second game against the Nationals. Four innings, eight hits, five earned, two Ks. Second time around against the Braves, three innings, four hits, four runs, two Ks, four walks. So now he's facing the Braves for the third time, a team that knows they can get to Sixto. But Sixto in his first playoff start uh, was lightning in a bottle. Five innings, four hits, six Ks, two walks, but seemed to be in control. Throwing that fastball more in that playoff game against the Cubs than he generally does. I thought that was interesting. I thought going with the fastball more often uh, shows he's getting more comfortable with it and challenging that lineup of the Cubs. He knew the Cubs are bad hitting fastballs. That's a scouting report on them and gave them a healthy dose of fastballs. I'm excited to see the pitching matchup today. Two young guys who have had moments of struggle, but also had moments of success. Kyle Wright less so than Sixto Sanchez But that Game 3, man, I think it's very important that you put teams away um, in these situations where you can because some teams are frisky, some teams just need that spark, and in five-game series, winning three in a row is is hard, but it's not like a seven-game series where you're down 3-0, got to win four in a row, right? I mean, three in a row is definitely definitely doable. You can capture momentum. And the big deal for me is you just got to force a Game 5, right? Forcing deciding games, like, in my opinion, it really... You know, you kind of almost look at series almost as, as if they're whatever the even number is. There's like a four-game series, six-game series. Because all bets are off when you get to a deciding game. Uh, all bets are off when you can force a game seven, a game five. 
you know, momentum be darned, it just feels like those games are very much standalone games more often than not. So I think it's, uh, I think for the Braves, it's important that if they can get it done today, they do. They, they finish things off uh, against the Marlins. The Marlins, I don't see them winning, once again, three in a row, but really all they got to do is force that game five, and they could be uh, they could be looking at an interesting situation. But I think the Braves, uh, they were my pick before this. You know, I, th- I didn't think it would be a clean sweep. thought it would be in four games, but I'm feeling like they can get the sweep uh, today. All right, on to the other series in the National League. The Dodgers lead the Padres two games to nothing, but uh, they played an instant classic last night with the Dodgers and the Padres. It was a really fun game, a 6-5 final score. And the play of the game was, you know, this is going to be talked about a lot. Cody Bellinger, he robs Fernando Tatis in the top of the seventh inning with two outs of a two-run home run that would have made it a 5-4 game and would have given San Diego the lead. And Bellinger, who, I mean, there were two home runs in this game that were absolutely golfed. He actually got down on a knee to hit a home run to straight center field early on in the ball game. Bellinger went, I mean, his knee hits the ground after his swing and he puts it to straight center field too. The, the amount of power that it took for Bellinger to go as low as he did. I mean, I encourage you guys to go back and look, but he goes low, extends his arms and drills this ball. I mean, scoops it and puts it over the center field wall. The amount of power that you to generate to, to hit a ball that far at that part of the plate, and I believe it was it was around 80 miles an hour to the pitch from Zach Davies. Unbelievable strength. And Machado had one, too, where he went down and grabbed one and uh, <laughs> yelled a left bomb through his bat. I was worried. I was worried he was he threw his bat so hard. It was it was near basically the third base coach. I was I was afraid for his health. But this is a fun game, man. There were a lot of fun moments. These two teams are very fun. I will say this. The Dodgers, to me, just they are the better group, right? They are more experienced, they are more seasoned, um, and they just kind of have this, you know, determination about them that it's not going to be this early that at least they get KO'd this season. The Padres are not a team that you want to let back in just because, number one, they're offensive firepower. Number two, they have two of the top four MVP candidates in the National League, in my opinion, in Fernando, Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado. And the 5-1 game was not the Padres' best offensive showing, but they gave you a taste against Kershaw, who had a pretty decent outing, but they got to him later. They did a good job of getting to Clayton Kershaw later in the game, getting him out of the game. And also, they put a lot of pressure on the on the bullpen. Um, you know, Kenley Jansen in the ninth inning gives up two runs, and they put enough pressure. They had the bases loaded. Eric Hosmer hits a home run, is up you know, with bases loaded, two outs in the ninth inning, and Joe Kelly gets the better of him. But it was close, man, and, and I think... This is not the team that you want to give another opportunity to. Game three today is going to be another 908 start. Another thing I didn't like, and I understand why they're spacing these out, but man, you know, it just kind of sucks that this game happened at midnight. Like all the cool stuff that was happening, this game was happening so late. And you know how playoff baseball games go. I mean, they they go on for a bit longer. And having this game start at 908 Eastern, having these games start so late, is a little bit of a detriment to us because we don't always get to see. Um, who's going to be out there? Or we always, excuse me, don't always get to see who is going to, uh, you know, we don't get to see kind of the cool plays, you know, the stuff that happens. And these are two of the better teams. This is the most exciting series, in my opinion, in left in the playoffs. And it's sad that it's all happening so late. The one issue San Diego is going to run into is the pitching. Uh, scheduled on ESPN is Adrian Motorhone to, to make the start tonight for the Padres. I don't know if it's going to be him. It could be Ryan Weathers. Um, you're a bit skeptical about the pitching. I think you have to be for the Padres. 
The Dodgers have not yet announced who is going to be their starter in tonight's Game 3. So that's what we're going to have to see here. I think that's one big question. But so far, the two National League favorites, the Dodgers and the Braves, have not dropped a postseason game yet. Both those teams got it done in two games in their uh, their first series. And right now, they're both up 2-0 with a chance to close out today on Thursday. All right, we'll do the American League series next. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody. They're always reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest possible price rather than charging prices based off what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require account login or membership. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know what we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, let's get to the American League now. Uh, the first series we're going to talk about is the Astros and the A's. This one, this one felt like it might have been over there around the sixth inning. The Astros score five runs in the fifth inning to make it a seven to four ball game. Then in the seventh inning, Virginia Tech Hokie, Richmond Virginia native Chad Pinder hits a three-run home run to tie this game. Pinder would drive in another run later in the game to get some insurance. The Athletics score five unanswered runs, and they get this series to two games to one in favor of the Astros. Um, this A's team, not fraudulent. I wouldn't call them fraudulent, but they did feel uh, a bit flimsy. This did not feel like a team that you expected to get through. And I thought the Astros win this series, um, but you know these games have been more offensive, I would say, than the majority of the series that we've seen. 10-5 Astros in Game 1, 5-2 in Game 2, and then this 9-7 game uh, in Game 3. So, series that might be the least kind of attractive uh, on the outside, but, you know, it's it's been fun. It's been exciting. And thankfully, the A's not lying down, giving us an exciting series here. Something I want to mention, though, that needs to be brought up is that I've seen the story floating around about how, you know, the, the Astros are mad and... Uh, you know, they feel slighted, they feel upset, and they, they want to go out and prove something to everybody. I'm just, I'm just a little confused here, is that, here's the actual tweet from Andy Martino. Astros players telling people behind the scenes that they're mad. Or they're focused, mad, and very into the idea of avenging themselves against what they consider haters, like, say, the A's, the Yankees, the Rays, and Dodgers. Will be good theater. People, know, people who know these guys think they can run the table. Obviously they can. They're a very talented group. Um, you know, they're not, they're not going to be favorites in any of the series. Um, I think the rest of the way out, I think it's pretty fair to say, but clearly a live dog. The Astros are, the pitching is going to be the issue for them. The lineup is not the issue. What I will say is this, is that I don't know what they're avenging because they openly cheated and they made their deal, right? I mean, you know, you see us in TV shows and movies all the time. You're part of some criminal conspiracy. Hey, they offer you immunity if you give up everybody else. You give up the rest of the operation. And these guys gave up other stuff in exchange for freedom. You know, they gave up information in exchange for their freedom. I don't, once again, it kind of goes back to the Carlos Correa thing. Like, it's a fun narrative, and I'm sure everybody in Houston's buying into, you know, it's us against the world, whatever. But what are you avenging? Because you cheated. And you admitted you cheated. And we all got upset with you for it. And we're still upset with you for it. And... You know, if they win this year, legitimate World Series, they totally deserve it. 
Maybe there's some vindication saying, hey, we can win without cheating. Also, I think they can because their team is so darn talented. But I don't know what the narrative there is. Like, it, like if you think about it, it, you know, it's cool. Once again, cool narrative, us against the world. But like, what is it you're actually like, what is the point? Like you, you were in the wrong. It's not like, you know, like you're going to prove us wrong. Like, I mean, there are people out there who said they can win without, you know, when they couldn't win without cheating. That's fine. I don't think that's a majority of people. I think majority of people are just upset they did. Also, I think another thing that upsets people, it upsets me, is that we don't feel like that team had to cheat to win. I, I don't think that group had to cheat to win. I think they had everything they needed to not cheat and still win. It upsets people because, you know, they, they their integrity should be questioned. So people don't want to see them succeed. If you told me you don't like the New England Patriots because they're winners, you know, it's totally fine. If you told me you don't like the, you know, the Patriots because they cheat, that's really more, much more understandable, right? I mean, disliking them because they are a, you know, winning team. Same thing goes to the Yankees. Uh, Yankees not, you know, known to be cheaters, but if you're like, hey, I don't like the Yankees because they win all the time and I want to see somebody new and you know, they represent big money and New York City, all this kind of stuff. Sure, whatever. That's that's totally your prerogative. If you want to dislike, if disliking them for cheating is like legitimate, that's that's like, yeah, I think we can all agree nobody's going to be pro-cheating teams, right? That that's 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 kind of where we all are. You're disliked because you cheated, not because like, you know, you were some target beforehand and oh, was, you know, people wanted to throw manure on you. You brought it on yourself. So this narrative somehow you can redeem yourselves. You can get back at us. You can't. You cheated us. You cheated us. You, you don't get back at us. You already got at us because you cheated. And then you got at us again because you got off from cheating by, you know, giving away information. And um, I think it's just bizarre. I think it's this weird like, it's just kind of they're spinning it their way, whatever they have to do to get motivated, right? Like, this is just kind of made-up bulletin board material. It's kind of college football coach-type crap where it's like, you know, uh, maybe a team, you know, it's favored by 20 points. It's like, they're saying we can't do it. You know, they're, they're writing about how the other team might win. It's kind of just made up, you know, out of thin air motivation, I think. I think that's what it is. I think that's what this team is trying to generate for themselves. I think, and I've been talking about this with a bunch of people, but, like, playing the Heat, I've said this before the season, Playing the heel is beneficial for them, right? This is pro wrestling. Be the heel. Be the bad guys. That's fine. Lean into it. But it doesn't make sense for you to say, like, you know, it needs to make sense, right? Like, you need to, if you're going to get me be like, ooh, these guys are great heels, like, you got to make me at least believe it. And I know it's kind of, you know, deep into the, the psychological part of it, but that's what they're doing, right? When Carlos Correa comes out and says, you know, what are they going to say now? Like he's trying to, he's trying to not only motivate his team, but kind of get us to dislike him. He's, he is grabbing that microphone and standing out in front of the arena, you know, once again, wrestling analogy and saying, you all sucks. The city's a dump, whatever. Like he is trying to rile up the crowd. The, and it did, it, it worked. And it, you know, it kind of made sense that, you know, we're all like, you're not that far. You're not far enough yet to, to call people out. That makes sense. The idea that you're trying to get back at us though, that one doesn't to me. And maybe that's something that's internal and wasn't supposed to get out or whatever, but it doesn't make a ton of sense, the motivation for wanting to get back at the people who have talked badly about you. Um, I don't I don't know that one. Maybe I mean, the specific teams, sure. The Yankees, like, I mean, the Yankees have, like, a legitimate gripe with, with, the, with the, the Astros. So getting back at them, I feel like that's, like, not really a fair thing to say. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I understand why a lot of the, a lot of these teams had something to say about the Astros. So I understand them wanting to 
get back at the teams, I guess, if they had something to say, but also at the same time, you have to take your medicine. And and they've had a difficult time admitting wrongdoing throughout all of this. So that's been something interesting to watch. I think Astros in the American League Championship Series, if they get there, which I think they will, much more compelling theater. Much more compelling theater. And you hope it is against the Yankees because that is must-see television. And I'm not sure how often we've been able to say, say that about baseball recently, but a legitimate rivalry from legitimate circumstances taking place on one of the biggest stages in the sport. Yankees and Astros could do a whole lot of good. Um, for the sport of baseball, which gets us to the Yankees. And it looks like they might have some tra- some challenges getting to that American League Championship Series. They took a 1-0 lead in the series, but since then, the Rays have answered back with consecutive victories. It was 7-5 victory in Game 2, an 8-4 win yesterday in Game 3. Tanaka, the losing end, Charlie Morton gives them five innings, gives up one earned run, six strikeouts, two walks. Tanaka goes four, eight hits, five earned runs, Five strikeouts, gives up two home runs. Randy Arozarena, really spectacular game yesterday. Goes three for four, hits a home run, even walks, gets on base. He's dangerous when he is on base. Had a really nice season, hit 281 for Tampa this season. Very impressive guy. And once again, just a bunch of random dude. I don't mean to disparage them, but like these are not household names getting the job done. The Yankees have had a lot of that, you know, but those guys have been filling in, right? Those guys were fill-ins a lot of the time for some of the other players on this Yankees team. I, you look at across, across this roster uh, for the Rays. You know, guys like Brandon Lowe, who had a really awesome season. Guys like Randy Arozarena. Guys like G-Man Choi. These are all people that we did not expect to have moments to be to be you know players on a machine a 40 and 20 baseball team a number one seed in the American leagues you know Joey Wendell uh those guys have been you know the, I mean the most notable player in my opinion on the team is Kevin Kiermeyer. like that's the name I think we all know the most and has been around the longest and he's not been one of their better players at least this season it's bizarre to watch this team work but boy have they been efficient just feels like the word this team has a myriad of ways to score runs. They are a really strong situational hitting team, and they always seem to have answers whenever they need to. Um, and I thought in this game, Kevin Kiermeyer once again had a rough season, came through. And I said, you know, kind of those complimentary players have to come through in the playoffs. They they have a bunch of complimentary guys, and they all seem to come through. Arena with the home run as well, too. Perez had a two-run shot. And this game never really was that close. It was never uh, that competitive after around the fourth inning. It felt, you know, it was within three runs, but it felt like the Rays were firmly in control of this game. Game four coming today. And in this one, it's going to be, we think, Ryan Thompson going up against Jordan Montgomery. That is kind of the way it lines up at this moment. So seven o'clock, this game is, you know, another one of those must-watch games. Yankees backs against the wall. I think I like the Yankees in the spot. Once again, they were my World Series pick in the American League. I think they, they're able to fight back. At this point in time, not positive they win the series. Um, I think they, I mean, they're my pick, so you got to stick with it you know, in some sense. But this one does feel like the most competitive series between two really good teams. Like This is the best American League championship series. Not the most compelling. Once again, I think that's the Padres. But these two teams have shown that they are 
two of the most well-rounded, especially from a hitting standpoint, two of the most well-rounded teams left going. And I, and I think it would be sad to see the Yankees go out because I think this lineup especially had a whole lot more to give. The pitching's just got to be there. And they're going to need one of those outings from a guy like a Jordan Montgomery to get themselves to even back the series. And the big key for them is just get this thing to game five and see where you go from there because that's when the pitching stuff can get a, a bit weird if we do get to that point. But yeah, I mean, 2-1 series right now. Credit to the Rays for getting up. And once again, this this is much more exciting. If the I mean, no disparaging to the Rays. But right now when you're competing for eyes in a competitive market right now with sports with the NBA Finals, college football, pro football, all happening at the same time, you need your best to come through. And so they need the Yankees to get through and get themselves into the American League Championship Series if they want the eyes of the general public on them. That's not why I'm picking them. I think it's because of that lineup. It's because I trust them. But, um, yeah, they got to get this thing to Game 5. And then, once again, once you're Game 5, once you're in an elimination game, all bets are off. So, exciting day on Thursday. Four really good, really exciting games all coming our way. I can't wait to see it. I hope you guys watch as well, too. Once again, follow me on social media at Josh Neighbors underscore. Follow us at the podcast at LO underscore Nationals. Make sure you guys check out those postseason position breakdowns. Once again, catcher, first, and second base are all up right now in your podcast feed. We take a look at the players who played there this season for the Nats, whether or not they will be a part of the franchise moving forward, and kind of analyze everything in between that. Uh, next coming up on Friday is going to be our shortstop one, so a whole lot of Trey Turner talk. Who is going to take that spot if he, you know, if he were to go down, or who is going to be kind of the, you know, the guy who gives Trey a break next season? That's kind of going to be the one of the big talking points as well. Talk about Trey's development. Uh, you know, can he win an MVP? Um, where does he need to grow, if anywhere, offensively, defensively? We know he needs some work, but we'll get to all of that stuff. Make sure you guys check out the Locked On MLB podcast and the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast. All of these things are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Before we go, I want to let you guys know that today's show is brought to you by Postmates. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service all year round. Anything you're craving, Postmates can deliver. They're the largest on-demand network in the U.S. and offer delivery from all the restaurants, grocery stores, and convenience stores that you need. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, Postmates will bring you what you need within the hour. No more trips to the store. You don't even have to know where the store is. Postmates will deliver anything to you. Download the app for iOS or Android free. Browse local restaurants and businesses and track your delivery in real time. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmates. Download the Postmates app on the iOS or Android app stores today. 